Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello, I'm Claire Venice. And I'm Geoff Lacey. Over the Easter holes, we're taking a little break from the, the Peapod. If you love Petersfield, I love the square, the hangers, the open air swimming pool, lots of fun shops, then the Peapod loves you. It's just a nice town. Everything Petersfield is in the Peapod with Claire Venice and Geoff Lacey. Thank you for joining us in the Peapod. We're taking a two-week break to recharge and enjoy the Easter holiday. To keep you company over these few weeks, we're bringing you some recent interviews from the Shine team. They've been a busy lot. From a jumper display to an unusual pool event, to look at our dark skies and a band of surgeons. We'll also bring you a wild walk and some of our bloopers too. So we hope you enjoy this holiday episode and we look forward to being with you again from April the 24th. The P stands for Petersfield. It's like the best town ever. <laughs> the Peapod. Laura Shepherd visited the Petersfield Museum and Art Gallery recently to find out about a new jumper exhibition taking place there now. This is Laura Shepherd at Petersfield's Shine Radio and I'm at Petersfield Museum today with a fun and fabulous collection of jumpers that belong to Giles Brandreth. Hello, Giles. Hello, and I'm in a state of high excitement. I love coming back to Petersfield. I know Petersfield quite well because I went to school near here uh, at Beedales up in the village of Steep, only a mile or two from where we're standing now. And I came to the opening, or the reopening, of the Petersfield Museum and Art Gallery a few years ago. And now I'm here today celebrating the fact that they have put in their Stanfield Gallery the most amazing exhibition of my novelty knitwear, and including the first colourful jumper I ever wore, which was created for me back in 1971. I was not long out of university, and I founded the National Scrabble Championships, competition where people like to play Scrabble. And at the final, somebody turned up with a bright yellow jumper, on which, the front of which was a Scrabble board, hand-knitted, uh, with the words written in Scrabble tiles, Giles Brandeth, misspelling of my surname, loves Scrabble. But it was very stylish, and I didn't mind the misspelling, because I know that uh, when it comes to those wonderful medieval no, see, carpets from the medieval times, but later as well, are made in the Middle East. They often have a mistake in them, deliberately put there, because only the Almighty creates anything that's perfect. So it's an imperfect jumper, but it's perfect to me because it's the first one. And as a result of that jumper, I began wearing, because it was so noticeable and so noticed, I began wearing colourful knitwear on TV. Now, given your love of language... Is the noun jumper, for instance, is it one of these words that has loads of different words for it, or is there just a fairly narrow number? Well, let's begin with the main problem. Is a jumper a jumper, or is it a sweater? Well, in America, a jumper is a sweater, but an American sweater is actually a jumper. The origin of the word jumper goes back to the French word jupe. I'm indebted to my friend Susie Dent for this information. Yes, I first met her doing Countdown years ago, and we now do a podcast every week called Something Rhymes with Purple. And she's ex- good. Oh, you're a purple person. I am a purple person. We love a purple person in Petersfield. That's a bit of a tongue twister. Well, uh, she has explained to me that jupe, the French word for skirt, is what gives us eventually jumper. And in America, they still regard a jumper as a skirt item. Where, and they have a sweat, sweater, which is what a sports uh, outfit uh, comes from sweating. You know, you're, you're sweating a bit and then you put on your sweater. But we have 
jumpers. So that's what they are, and I'm jumping for joy that they have created this Giles brand for the jumper collection, which, in a sense, this is a museum, an art gallery, and they've got, I mean, it's a local museum, but it has international uh, importance, uh, principally, in my view, because of the wonderful Edward Thomas collection, great local poet, uh, First World War, but resonates nationally and internationally. And they have art on show here, they've got his local history, but they have visiting collections, and, and in the Stanfield Gallery, after my jumper collection next year, they'll be having costumes from a collection built up by somebody who was my old drama teacher, Rachel Field at Bedell School, of authentic period costume. And so this collection, though it's fun knitwear from the 1970s onwards, is, in a way, it's popular culture. These are jumpers that I've worn on television. And there are pictures here of figures you know, ranging from Joanna Lumley through to Pete Davidson, who appears in America on the Saturday Night Live program. These jumpers have sort of taken flight. There's even one on show, possibly the most famous in the collection, that was bought by Diana, Princess of Wales in the 1980s from a little shop in Kensington Church Street where my jumpers, designed by me and created by me with my friend and knitting partner, George Hostler, who was a real designer and a real knitwear king. He was also a sculptor and an artist. We created these jumpers, sold them through the shop. And Diana came in one day, liked a jumper. It's got on the front of it, I'm a luxury. And on the back it says, few can afford. And she rather took to this jumper. I think she liked the message. And there's a nice picture of her and her sons, William and Harry, with her wearing this jumper. And that went viral when it got out somehow. And so the jumper is hugely popular. So the jumpers, all colors, all styles, some with messages on, some with just pictures on. There's one that I like particularly. It's got a lovely vase of flowers on the front. But on the back, because I'm leaving you, the flowers have all wilted. Oh, I didn't know that was on the back of that one. <laughs> Cleverly at the museum uh, here in Petersfield, they put mirrors behind some of them so you can see what's on the back of the jumper. So it does, it does rather depend. Anyway. How did you choose the selection out of your numerous collection? I didn't choose them. Louise, the curator here at the Petersfield Museum and Art Gallery, I let her choose them. I wouldn't have known what to pick. Mm. I've got Essentially, I'd say 365 jumpers, one for each day of the year. I used to have more than that, but when I became an MP, I gave a lot away to charity. All these jumpers, though, were designed 40 years ago. And what's incredible to me is how they've stood the test of time. Um, they're vintage, and yet they do feel... Well, I like to say this is a collection that I think is as modern as tomorrow, but it has a lot of time for yesterday. When I say that, I exaggerate, because I, out of the corner of my eye, I see my corgi jumper. This was one created for me last year to mark the Platinum Jubilee of the late Queen. And I'm pleased to say it was admired by the King when he saw it. Um, he's a great enthusiast for wool, for lovely natural fabrics, and he likes a, a woolen jumper, and he rather took to that. But almost all of them are old creations. Oh, there's another one that's new as well. I'm wearing, as I talk to you, my heart jumper. I love it because I'm wearing my heart, not on my sleeve, but on the front of the jumper. It's blood red, and it's just lively, full of life. But last year, when uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, I designed a new one, which is essentially the same jumper as the red heart, but instead on the heart, uh, the colors of the flag of Ukraine. 
Where did the idea for the exhibition come from? Well, it came about because I revived the jumpers. I was famous for them in the 1970s and 1980s, which is 40, 50 years ago. But during the pandemic, somebody put on Twitter a message for me saying, desperate times call for desperate measures. Bring back the jumpers. So I went down into the basement, found all this old knitwear, and decided during the early days of the pandemic to perform a poem on Twitter uh, and on Instagram every day, a different poem, wearing a different jumper. And then I came in, I think, 2017. I'd come across, was it as long ago as that? Anyway, I came to Petersfield and discovered the Museum and Art Gallery and loved it and saw that they had this wonderful collection of Edward Thomas, uh, the great uh, Edwardian poet, First World War poet, um, and I, who I first learnt about when I was at school here because he was a local poet and thought, there's a poetry connection here. I love poetry. I run a project called Poetry Together that has older people and younger people, people in care homes and school children, learning the same poem by heart and then getting together, performing it together, having tea and cake. So I love poetry. I mean, I have a Commonwealth Poetry podcast that I do with my daughter. Here's a museum that celebrates poetry and also has a costume collection. Wouldn't it be fun if my knitwear could find its way as part of their costume collection display? And I met Louise, the curator, and Dan, the director, and they said, why not? Local boy makes good. Um, so for me, it's very thrilling, having been a schoolboy here in the 1960s, all these years later, in the 2020s, to come back and find on display in handsome glass cabinets the cream of the crop of my knitwear. And it is a rolling exhibition. That's the joy. If you live locally, if you're listening to Shine, you will live locally. Come, if you haven't yet been, to the Museum and Art Gallery. There's a wonderful tea shop, which wasn't here when I was last here. I always feel the best museums are really a tea shop with a good museum attached. And it's a marvellous tea shop. Well, I've just been having some Victoria sponge, must be said. I can still get into the jumpers. That's because their wool, naturally, is quite a, a flexible medium. So, for me, it is amazing, after all this time, having been a schoolboy in Petersfield, to come back to Petersfield, visit this extraordinary museum and art gallery and find on display these jumpers. Halfway through the year, the collection will change and these original jumpers uh, will be replaced by some of my more novelty jumpers, ones that I wore on stage or in pantomime, a little bit more outrageous. So it's worth coming to this collection twice. I can't wait. Thank you so much, Dove. Keep shining with shine. Well, as you now know, um, I'm doing my Stand Up for Cancer, canine cancer, walkies, and this is a hike in two halves. So this afternoon, in wonderful sunshine, and it's 14 degrees, I can hardly believe it, Rain and I are in our customary Durford wood, but this morning is what I wanted to tell you about, because I went with an old friend, Ian, to the Longmoor Military Railway, which he walked when he was 14 and was told off by the sappers who'd built it um, for doing it. I'm not surprised because it was still running then. That was in, I don't know, 67 or 68 or something. And I was really surprised that it carried on to the early 70s and was a film set. I can't remember what was the last thing. I think the first one was The Highwayman or something with Margaret Lockwood. That was really old. 
Um, and the last one, let's say, was Young Winston or something like that. Anyway, there's a new board just by the Lis, the now Lis railway station end against the buffer um, that actually says all the films that's done. But Ian was telling me all about the history of it, that it was built and it was colossal. I mean, it, it, the track was huge. I'm going to say 600 miles and I think that's completely rubbish, but you know how good I am at figures. Um, but it was, it was absolutely massive and took soldiers coming off leave and so on um, to see their loved ones coming on to leave to see their loved ones um, but it was built originally because they deduced that the best way to occupy a country was by railway and so they learnt how to build railways and manage railways and you know generally occupy I suppose let's go through so that was really exciting and it's it just shows how you can do a walk, which, as you know, it was a recent wild walk. And it was always lovely. But now he was pointing out the old sleepers and the, oh heck, I've forgotten what it's called, the pilings or something. They're all steel things that hold the embankment back. So he'd be cross that I've forgotten what it's called because I was supposed to have remembered all this. So I'd actually entertain you a bit more than usual. Um... But the fact of the matter is, once you notice these things are there, you do get more out of it. And I like to imagine these squaddies coming back on leave and being carried up to board and the excitement of it. And now we've got, as you probably know, we can't walk through Longmoor at the moment because they're shooting every day. And I imagine it's Ukrainian troops um, going through their paces with somebody or other um so war comes back to europe anyway on that happy note i'm oh no no what are you eating no that's not what labradors do is it good girl so let's just bask in sunshine shall we and not do anything untoward on a wild walk because i want everyone to think that you're a brilliant dog which you are and urge you if you could please donate to canine cancer that would be absolutely wonderful and the link will be um on the website at the end of this walk and that would be wonderful i've just got a just giving page so i don't know if you can look me up through that anyway but oh just before i go rain wait a minute i'm just at the place where there is the most stunning view over towards very blue downs it makes me feel almost like we're in Spain because it's so warm. It's as though there are orange trees leading towards these distant hills. And there's quite a, uh, a pebbly path that we're going down. Oh, she thinks she's seen a squidger. Was it? That's an attempt to get a biscuit for coming back, probably. Ah, oh, yes. And there's a kind of purple haze that's the distant trees... Um, just coming into bud. Obviously, they must be birch, I think, um, with these very, very spiky conifers. Oh, that's beautiful. It's got really, really long needles here, just in the foreground. Still soft, because they've just come out. And look at everything budding, Rain. It's beautiful. 
Anyway, happy spring. A recent addition to the Shine Radio audio is a monthly look at our dark skies from local expert Jeff Burt. Here's Claire with what you could look out for in April. Shine Radio Skywatch. A monthly summary of night sky events for stargazers in and around Petersfield. Here's Claire Venice. Our town and surrounding area, otherwise known as the Petersphere, has the distinction of being located in the South Downs National Park, which is designated an International Dark Sky Reserve. That means we don't have far to go to enjoy the wonders of the night sky, and there's always something of interest coming up every month. Skywatch shows you when and where to look. By April, the nights are noticeably shorter. Nature has returned to life and there's a sense of revival everywhere you look. Spring has well and truly arrived. Meanwhile, everyone is familiar with the Spring Festival of Easter and that its date is movable. But who or what decides the date and why does it change from year to year? According to ecclesiastical tradition, Easter Day falls on the Sunday following the first full moon of spring, otherwise known as the Paschal Moon. The calendar we use is a solar calendar based on the solar year of 365 and a quarter days, whereas the moon follows its own lunar calendar based on its phase cycle of 29 and a half days. The net result is that Easter can occur from the third week of March up to the third week of April. This year, the Pascal moon occurs on the 6th of April, so Easter day follows on the 9th, a full week earlier than last year. Next year, we only have to wait until the end of March, while in 2025, we'll have to hold on until the 20th of April. Now, let's take a look at the stars. A sure sign of spring in the Northern Hemisphere is the constellation of Leo the Lion. Leo is well-placed toward the south around mid-evening during April. The lion's outline is represented by nine stars, marking the head, mane, body and tail, and looks somewhat like the Egyptian Great Sphinx. The head and mane are represented by an asterism called the sickle. By the way, an asterism is a star pattern that's not a constellation. The sickle looks like a back-to-front question mark, with the point at the bottom marked by Regulus, a bright, hot star said to be the heart of the lion. On the 28th, the first quarter moon will appear directly in front of Leo. And now for the planets. Going outwards from the Sun, the first three planets in the solar system are Mercury, Venus and Earth. From the 11th of April into the middle of the month, we might get a glimpse of elusive little Mercury after sunset. Being the closest planet to the Sun, Mercury is always difficult to observe. You'll need a low, unobstructed horizon to the west and Mercury will be visible for barely an hour before setting. A note of caution. Please always wait until after the sun has set. Looking directly at the sun without a proper filter will damage your eyesight. Venus will be unmissable as the lovely evening star, shining brightly over in the west soon after sunset throughout the month. On the 12th, Venus will appear next to the Pleiades star cluster, known in folklore as the Seven Sisters. Then on the 23rd, Venus will be joined by a slender waxing crescent moon. Despite its attractive appearance, Venus has been described as Earth's evil twin because it's almost the same size as Earth, but has an extremely hot, dense carbon dioxide atmosphere. The atmosphere is highly reflective, making Venus the brightest of the planets. 
but it also makes the Venusian environment utterly hostile. The pressure is immense. The temperature at the surface is high enough to melt lead and the atmosphere is poisonous. Finally, if you'd like to see some meteors, popularly known as shooting stars, the night of the 22nd, 23rd of April sees the peak of the Lyrids meteor shower. The term shower is a bit of a misnomer. You might see about a dozen Lyrids per hour at the peak, but they're always worth a look if you can. That's all for this month, but there'll be plenty more to look out for as we progress through the year. Until next month, clear skies and happy stargazing. Shine Radio Skywatch is written by Jeff Burt and read from under the dark skies of Langrish by Claire Venice. The P stands for Petersfield. I can't believe that we live in such a idyllic place. The Peapod. Petersfield's open-air pool is a popular destination in the warmer months and will open later in April. However, there's a lot going on this year at the pool and a lot coming off one particular evening, as Joff found out. It's a cold Tuesday evening, late March, and I'm sat with Linda and Tom to discuss the opening of the swimming pool. Welcome, how are you both? We're fine, how are I'm fine, thank you, Joff. Yeah, I'm fine, thanks, Joff. Good to see you again. And yeah. you, and you. Right, when does the swimming pool open this year? Well, this year we've decided to open on the 29th of April, so we're, uh, we're highly excited about getting it all ready. Tom has been working hard with the trustees to uh, to get the website up and running. We've done all the budgets, we've tested everything that we needed to do, and we'll be ready to go at the end of April. So, uh, so yes, 29th of April, there's a grand opening this year. And it's not quite looking as fresh and smart as it will do, Joff. Uh, we've got a maintenance day planned for this Saturday, so we get some... Um some locals to uh, help us out and, and volunteers, and that's, that's that's a great great event for us. Really, really smarten things up. So, Tom, your general manager is that's that right? me. Yeah. So, what? How have you kept busy since the uh, swimming pool closed last year? Well, there's always something to to keep on top of. You know, communications and plans for next year, and keeping this place ticking over. But I've done a little bit of other work as well, just a few weeks here and there to, to keep me busy, you know, uh, keep me out of the house. Uh, since it's my first year, I think, recapping and making sure I've got all the processes clear in my head, all that all that boring stuff, uh, so that I'm ready for this year. There's been a fair bit of that. And for the last month, probably six weeks, it's been busy, busy, busy with our new booking system that's coming in this year and some new processes. We're trying to get all well, a little bit more streamlined and um, efficient and how was last year? Well, we've taken a lot of lessons about uh, how last year was handled. We concentrated last year on planning for how to keep the pool busy when the weather isn't very good, when the weather is inclement, because people do tend to forget the pool is actually there on cloudy days or rainy days. So we focused our efforts on making sure that the pool was busy. What we hadn't really bargained on was the extensive heat wave that we had over a very long period of time. And so the demand for actually using the pool really outstripped the amount of people that we could have at any, on the site to be safe. And that was a frustration for many because we had long queues, we didn't have a booking system, it was a first-come, first-served basis, a one-in, one-out basis, and we recognised that this wasn't conducive to what we wanted to do 
in terms of serving the community and having a pool that's open for everyone. So we've had a rethink, and this year we're reintroducing the electronic booking system that we had during the pandemic year of 2021. Um, And we're going to try and get it better than the booking system we had in the past. But it also will mean that people can come and go, book their slot, and have a guaranteed place at a certain time in the pool. What will change, of course, is the availability of the pool where you could come in and stay for much of the day. That will change, and that's because we do need to recognise that people want to book their slots, have their swim, and yes, of course, have leisure time, but not stay all day. Now, we know it's a heated swimming pool, but I remember from a visit during a peapod last year, it takes a little while for the pool to warm up. When do you actually turn the boilers on? That will be the 13th of April this year, so we've got a good couple of weeks to gradually push the temperature up. We do things nice and gently over time, make sure, again, it's nice and efficient, but we'll be absolutely ready to go and up to the correct temperature, 27 degrees, by the 29th of April. We've also got the uh, event on the 22nd, just a a pre-season open event where people can come down, say hi, have a cup of coffee, maybe book in uh, their kids for some swimming lessons and just see what the plans are for for this season. Now, one of the reasons we've met today is to discuss an upcoming event on the 9th of June. Please let us know what is happening on the 9th of June. Well, we are having a private event. It's a a skinny dip event and you can book through the British Naturist site. And it's precisely that. On the evening, we will have people in without clothes on going for a swim, which will be new for the pool as far as I understand. I don't think we've had anything like that before. Not in the history of the pool to my knowledge, no. No. And this may be a a surprise to some of the staff uh, who will be (laughs) some of the lifeguards since uh, they don't know about it yet. (laughs) Um, But I'll let them know that they don't... It won't be forced upon them to be naked when they are lifeguards, so that'll be a a relief. But it's it's a nice opportunity for something new, and I'm sure it'll go well. The trustees took a look and thought, well, why not? Why would we discriminate against people who really want to be free and easy and open and and do as nature intended and swim in an area where they can feel safe? We're not overlooked by very many. There are are obviously a few windows in the flats to, to the north of the site, but... Uh, unless they're selling tickets, I don't think there's going to be anybody who's able to actually view the the people who who want to come along. But like, like Tom said, if you're interested and want to to come along to the Skinny Dip, uh, if you Google the British Naturist Society, you should be able to find the the uh, Skinny Dip in your area, and there, there will be links to it. And then you'll find that the Petersfield Open Air Swimming Pool will be listed, and we're running that event in the evening of the 9th of June. Now, I believe that there have been a couple of naturist events, naked dining, at the Folly Wine Bar upstairs, mm-hmm. which have been fully sold out. Well, doesn't that go to show how popular naturism is? I should imagine this will be a very popular event. I suppose swimming as nature intended in a nice cool evening it must be good for the circulation. It must have loads of benefits. So, uh, looking forward to it. It'll be great. Yeah, I think it will. Nice and comfortable without the clothes. <laughs> Yeah, and just so you're aware, you know, you can hire out the pool for your own 
private event if you'd like to, as the British Naturist Society has done here. We offer Friday, Saturday and Sunday evenings throughout the season. So if you'd like to come for a, a birthday party, kids event, we've got a giant inflatable for a couple of months of the year, which is great fun. Then go onto the site and, and drop us a line. It's been very popular over the years, actually. It's a really great way of having a party. Um, you can combine a couple of children and, and if it, you know, to make it more economical if you want to, because we can take up to 150 people on the site at any one time and up to 85 people in the pool at any one time. There's a great hot plate style barbecue where you're free to take your own food and, and cook it up on the barbecue. And, you know, it's a great it's a great social evening. I know that the Scout Society have had events in the past. And indeed, my son's football team at the end of the year for the last few years have, have um, hired the pool out and the whole football team have a really good fun for, yeah. for, for the end of the season as a celebration. Yeah, we've had a few local groups come and they do different things. Some of them bring uh, get pizzas in, have a local delivery of food or get caterers in. Uh, but the atmosphere is beautiful. There's some pictures on the on the website that you can check out. We've got nice lighting area now. All the, obviously, the pool has been refurbished. We've got the decking out there. It's it's a lovely place to be. And the pool is lit itself. So it, in the yeah. evenings, it looks magical because mm. the it's lit from from underneath. So the, the, the children look like that particularly. Mm. Well, that's an image of uh, lights beaming up when people are skinny dipping. Uh, now, will you be coming along to that? Well, I haven't done the, the schedulers yet. I'll see who's available out of the staff once they know what's going on. But I imagine I probably will be, Joff. I'll probably be here and, and um, making sure everything runs smoothly as normal. And I suspect I'll be signing off the risk assessment. <laughs> well, we are actually, Claire and I will be recording a peapod at the event. Marvellous, Joff. Are you going to be in the nude? No. Oh. <laughs> I don't think that's what anyone wants to see. Tom, Linda, thanks very much, as always. A pleasure, Joff. We're nearing the end of this Peapod special. Now, Stephen Martin joined local band The Groove Surgeons at the Square Brewery as they welcome a world-renowned guitarist to Petersfield for their latest gig. Stuart Prosser. And you're local, aren't you? Yes, I live in Petersfield, yes. How many surgeons are in the band, actual real qualified surgeons? Uh, Yeah, well, now I've got to count up, haven't I? So one, two, three, four, five, six. Six. Six surgeons, okay. Seven surgeons. And you're up front, you've got a really tight up front brass and uh, sax sound here. This ain't your first rodeo, is it? No, it's not, no. Going back quite a long time to the 80s where I was a a session player and I played in a band called the Style Council for a few years. Uh, did session work and um, sort of gone from there really in different genres too and this is your hometown what does it mean for you to be performing right here I love I love performing here. I love playing here. It's just we always get such a good crowd, and the amazing thing is that everybody in the band is local too. So it's uh, it's just this huge hub of talent. Well, Steve comes from Portsmouth. Steve okay. Granger here, who was in the um, what was that band you were in? I can't remember. It's called now. Okay, and since Stuart has dropped me in it uh, for several years, I was in Culture Club, who you may Club. be familiar yeah. with. You know. <laughs> I think we've heard of them. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. In fact, in fact, Stuart and I were active on that kind of session circuit, more or less the same time. You know, in the in the eighties. Basically, so, and, and you've got a really tight sound up front, haven't you, with um, sax and trumpet, and and also, what's this instrument here? That's the flugelhorn. So it's um, it's like a more mellow version of the trumpet. It's just uh, it's an instrument I just love playing. It's just very very 
an evocative emotional instrument for me. So. And is it tuned the same way as the trumpet? Completely, yeah. And played as badly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve, for you, why is the sax the instrument of choice? Uh, I always liked it. I always uh, um, sort of noticed it. Actually, since you've asked me, the first time I ever noticed a sax, if you listen to the extended version of the Thunderbirds, Jerry Anderson Thunderbirds theme, there's an alto sax break in it, which I must have heard when I was about eight. And I saw... Yeah, I really like that, and it sort of went, went from there, really, and I got one, I bought myself one, and um, sort of carried on with it, so it's just an innate appeal. Everyone's got one instrument in them, haven't they, do you know what I mean, that you have to, you have to play, I think, you know what I mean, so, so that, that's worked out for me so far, you know. So far. And with you today, you've got um, a really playful rhythm section, haven't you? Jerry, Jerry's always very playful, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a great rhythm section, it really is. It just cooks, and everyone listens to each other, and takes off um, and today we're so lucky to be joined you're going to, only going to chat to me a second by, by our guest guitarist Omar who's come down from London for this evening but um, I'll let him tell you about himself but we're oh. amazingly honoured to have him here with us tonight fantastic Omar welcome to Petersfield thank you so much it's a pleasure to be here you know playing with amazing musicians and having fun <laughs> and what's your background okay I started to play classical guitar when I was 11 years old I studied for five or five, uh, five or six years. Then I swapped to electric guitar and I play with some heavy metal bands. And I play with funk bands, electronic bands, some reggae, ska, and a lot of styles. And then I discovered like music is a universe, so you don't need to focus just in one style because you have a bunch of options if you want to play like it depends about the mood that you have, you know. So I love classical guitar. I still love playing classical guitar and um, playing a bit of flamenco as well and gypsy music, Arabian music, a bit of jazz, a bit of flamenco. And then I am trying to mix everything and create my music, you know. And I'm trying to place your accent. Where are you from? I am from Nicaragua. It's Central America. I am a Latin American guy. And what is the musical influence there? Uh, we have a lot of like influence from Cuba, influence from South America, a bit of Latin rock as well. Like Santana okay. is a huge influence in my country. Also, uh, the former member of the band was a Nicaraguan guy. Uh, his name is Chepito Areas, and he was the percussionist and timbalist player for, for Santana for 20 years or something like that. Actually, he played in Woodstock with him, so he's a legend, so that's why Santana is a, a huge influence in, in our country. So we're going to hear the Andalusian cadence a bit tonight, are we? Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I am, you know, so happy to be here. Welcome to Petersfield. Oh. Thank you for entertaining us, yeah. and thank you for being on Shine Radio. It's my pleasure, and thank you so much for the interview. Tell me your name. Uh, Jody Smith. You're on keys here. Yes. I moved to Petersfield from Dublin about 15 years ago. Um, and I basically looked around town and looked for who was around, who was living here musician-wise, how good were the guys. And I put a band together and we developed the repertoire over the last five or six years. 
Um, and it's sort of starting to come to fruition and starting to click together now, you know? So uh, so, so that's, that's where it stems from, the whole unit, basically. And it sounds really tight tonight. Yes. How would you describe the style of the music you play? Um, if, sorry, if I was describing it in a style, um, I'd say it was sort of jazz, funk, soul music. It harks back to the era of Herbie Hancock and the Headhunters, late 70s, Fender Rhodes. Um, that's very much where the choices have come from, basically. And tell me about the instrument you play. Um, yeah, it's, it's basically a, a Nord piano, and I'm emulating a Fender Rhodes piano, which is the classic sound of that era for disco and funk music back in the day. Um, so I generally play that and occasionally piano with these guys, but uh, most of the time it's usually a Rhodes. you got to have the flavour of the 70s in it, right, to make it sound authentic. You know? And for anyone here in the audience at the Square Brewery, we can tell you've got a great relationship with your drummer and bassist. Yes, indeed. They are good old friends of mine, and we've been locking ourselves away, especially during lockdown, and woodshedding it, as they call it in the jazz world, where you lock yourself away for six months and you learn music and you learn to play together and communicate together. Um, that's the most important thing. It's all about communication. It's not about what we play. It's about the, how you have a chat about it, you know. And you've moved to Petersfield. Yes. And what is this town like as a performance venue? I love Petersfield. Petersfield is my home. I used to live in London and I came down here for a weekend and basically... I, I walked around the town and I played with some musicians here and I just went, I want to live here. And here I am 15 years later and I absolutely love it. My theory is at Petersfield, if it doesn't exist, create it. You know, give, give people variety and give people live music, support the arts and, and, and push that whole envelope. But bring people down like Omar, who's here tonight from London and an internationally renowned guitarist. Um, and give everyone a look because otherwise they might never hear this guy right you know so well, Nicaragua via London we understand via London yes absolutely <laughs> he's travelled a long way yeah. and when Omar arrived lockdown hit so he's basically arrived in London with a guitar on his back and couldn't go anywhere for two years so he's only on the scene now and we like grabbing young people like this and giving them a platform locally and build the town into having a reputation of good musicians and good bands in town and promote live music in Petersfield basically. And for listeners who want to come and see you, when are you performing? Well, our regular gig is um, the last Sunday of every month at the Square Brewery. Um, that has been a staple for the last three years here, every Sunday evening from 6.30pm. And um, apart from that, we do local festivals, we do Fates festivals, we do the Petersfield Festival occasionally as well. And you'll see us around town, right, you know? Fantastic. Lovely to speak to you. It's the Groove Surgeons last Sunday of every month at the Square Brewery. That's the one. Thank you very much. Pod bloopers. 
Oh, I'm, I'm going to do <laughs> <laughs> yeah, On a serious pee pod. <laughs> yeah, this is it. Um, em, can you cut out all laughing? It's very serious. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Claire. <laughs> <laughs> Start again. <laughs> so, Claire, a little birdie tells me you tried something new this week. A new type of drink. I, it was I re- nettle tea, I, I believe. did. I did, I did. And I believe it had an effect on you. <laughs> well, you know, coming out of winter, I don't know about you, Joff, but, you know, oh, just feel like it's spring now and to look after our bodies, kind of rejuvenate a bit more. And uh, I did an interview full growing together with a local herbalist, um, a wonderful lady called Jo Dunbar, and she inspired me to try some nettle tea. Nettles are coming up, you know, fresh. They're very, very good for you, nettles. Right. And I happened to have some dried nettles for nettle tea at home. So I went home and I made myself a nice brew. And my husband, so we both had the same drink. But it didn't affect him, but about half an hour later, <laughs> felt quite strange. Quite woozy. A little bit odd. Were you thinking you were back in the 60s? <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. Maybe it made it too strong. I'll try it again. It's not put me off, but I couldn't drive for a couple of hours. I had to stay at home and just lie down <laughs> for a bit. So wow. may- maybe it wasn't the best move. It's getting to that time, isn't it, really? I know. Lots of I know. special birthdays and lots of reunions. Well, someone's got a special birthday. No, I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Em, can we edit that as well? Oh, come on. (laughs) The walk will start at Cocking Hill Car Park at 10am. Well, you're... (laughs) I thought I was going to be able to get through that. (laughs) Mm. The walk will start at Cocking Hill Car Park at 10am, where you'll need to be prepared for a steep climb. More (laughs) details... Does it go like this? (laughs) I didn't realise what I (laughs) Ding, ding. (laughs) I've actually, rid- I've actually walked up <laughs> Cocking Hill that way. I have too. It's and it is steep. steep yeah. <laughs> we did it by mistake. <laughs> oh, Jimmy. Sorry, Em. I'm going to say that again. And don't forget it's... And don't... And, and don't forget it's Peter Saw's first seesaw. <laughs> 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 I need like to say that. And don't forget it's Peter... And don't forget, it's Petersfield's first seed swap on Sunday the 26th of March from 4 till 6pm at the Half Moon in Sheep. Find seeds... Find seeds to swap as well as... I can't do it. You can do it. Find seeds to swap, as well as lots of local gardening information and inspiration from local organisations. The seed swap is free to attend. Well done. Has any seeds caught your eye at the moment? Yes. So I have found it's a heritage variety of cucumber and their little yellow balls. They look amazing. <laughs> little yellow balled cucumber. That's a rare seed if you've ever seen one. <laughs> um, we're really sorry that you're going to have a hell of a job editing this one. <laughs> Didn't even um, know it was a, but, uh, but unusual. Oh God, even if you say unusual shape, it doesn't work, does it? Unusual but, shaped balls <laughs> comes from special seed. <laughs> and you've got them by the short and what's it? Not growing them yet. But I'm, I, so I found an unusual variety of cucumber. And what seeds have we seen so far? <laughs> There's all, there's all sorts of special seeds. 
How's it feel, Joff, interviewing both of us? Peapod first. It's a peapod first. But, yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's lots going on. And I've been sorting out some of the seeds for you. Which, which was your favourite seed, Joff? <laughs> I think it was the Pak Choi. <laughs> Well, we, we've, got, we've got all sorts. Um, Claire is very organised and has brought shoeboxes with labels. Right. Um, so what people are doing is as they're coming in, um, there's boxes for flowers, boxes for brassicas, root vegetables, and people are putting their seeds in the box and then um, helping themselves to other people's seeds. <laughs> and, to end, Ste- and to end, Stephen Martin... And to end, no. And to end, st- no. And finally. And finally, no. <laughs> and we've just proven we can't ad lib properly. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Thanks also to our guests, Simon Hawkins, Stephen Hawkins, <laughs> <laughs> and the whole Shane Ro- and the whole Shine Radio team. You turned Irish. Hello Shane there. Irish. And the whole radio team. <laughs> and the whole Shane Ro- Shine and the whole Shine Radio team. <laughs> so from Joff and I this week. Bye. <laughs> Do you want to say bye? Oh, sorry. That's <laughs> 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 <I was> miles away. <laughs> so from, sorry. So from, so from Joff and I this week. So from Joff. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's hard work, isn't it? So from Joff and I this week. Bye. Bye. There we go. I've got nothing. (laughs) Now wrap it up. There we go. (laughs) Yeah, and there we go. Well, it's good to be back. (laughs) We would love to hear from you. (laughs) And that's it for our Easter holiday peapod. Thank you for listening. Thanks also to Giles Brandreth, Laura Shepherd, Jeff Burt. Linda Nutson, Tom Callingham, Stephen Martin and the Surgeons, and Susie Wilde, as well as to our editor, M. Sefton-Smith, and to the whole Shine Radio team. And although we're taking a little break, we would still love to hear from you. If you have a story you'd like us to cover or would just like to say hello, do get in touch. We're on 01730 for a call or a WhatsApp, or you can email team at shineradio.uk. So from Claire and I... Bye! bye. If you're a keen gardener, then Shine Radio is giving you the chance to win tickets to the BBC Gardener's World Spring Fair in Bewley. The event brings together sensational displays, famous experts and hands-on workshops. And you could win two free tickets to go along on Sunday the 30th of April. All you have to do is correctly name the two presenters of Shine Radio's gardening show, Growing Together. You can enter the competition at shineradio.uk at any time before midnight on Friday the 14th of April. We'll put all the correct entries into a flower pot and draw one lucky winner. Conditions apply, so check rules at shineradio.uk and don't forget to enter before midnight on Friday the 14th of April.